I am not a professional podcaster, so you just got a much better performance from me because of that shot than you were going to get. Hello and welcome to Baskets Bubble, the podcast about the NBA and life inside the Walt Disney World bubble. I'm Matthew and I am joined as always by my beloved co-host Bodie. Bodie, it is Sunday night, 9.15. We just watched the end of that Lakers game. How are you feeling, man? I'm calm. <laughs> you want to elaborate on that? No. <laughs> I, had to, I was trying to get a drink of tea and you did not give me enough time to do that. <laughs> Let's get right into it then. We are recording, as I said, Sunday evening, right after Game 2 of this Nuggets-Lakers game. The Lakers were up by as much as 16 points at one point, but the Denver Nuggets, in true Nuggets fashion, decided to try and kick it into gear in the second half, had a lead for a moment, about halfway through the fourth quarter, took the lead at the very tail end of the fourth quarter, and we just witnessed Anthony Davis take an inbound pass for three to win the game for the Lakers in game two. Bodie, as we look at this series right now, the thing that's sticking out to me, and maybe you can agree, disagree, but to me it looks like Anthony Davis is the best player on this Lakers team right now. What do you think? For sure. At least definitely in game two, and it seems like, I'm not going to say a torch is being passed from LeBron, because until he says the torch is passed, you can't say that. But Davis, he was the one they were going to. He LeBron had nothing at the end of tonight's game, and they went to Davis over and over and over again. The last quarter and a half, really, it was him or bust for this Lakers team. Yeah, as we saw at half, Anthony Davis had nine points, and by the end of the game, he finished with 31 points. So really kicked it into gear in that second half, uh, and as I said, scored the final 10 points of this game. If we look at the other side here, is there really any reason... Are we seeing something lacking on the defensive end from Denver? They don't have... Anyone to stop Anthony Davis? Is it is it they're they're really closing down on LeBron well and it's forcing Anthony Davis to come and step up a little bit? What are, what are we seeing on the defensive side there? I think they're playing fine against him. It's just Anthony Davis is that good. There's there just comes a point when a guy is too good for whatever you're trying to throw at him. This was always going to be a struggle for Jokic just because of the athleticism gap between the two of them. But Davis had to work for those points tonight. And that the step back three he hit that put the Lakers up eight with like three minutes to go. And then the three he hit to win the game, those aren't your typical Anthony Davis buckets anyway. He's more than capable of hitting them, as we saw. But that's it's not what you're banking on from him every game. The Nuggets, you, you kind of just throw your hands up when a guy hits shots like that. It's just he's better than us when he does that. Well, and this game was interesting compared to game one. In game one, 
Denver only led three times the entire game, but never led after the pass in in the second quarter. The Lakers seemed very much in control of game one. Anthony Davis, as we said, had 37 and 10. LeBron had 15 points, 15 assists. Uh, The second highest scorer for the Lakers was KCP with 18. It seems to me like I would be shocked if we went more than five games in this series. I think as much talent as Denver has in Jokic and Jamal Murray, I just don't think that they can contend with Anthony Davis and LeBron. And I am now at the point where I am not ever going to count out the Nuggets again because <laughs> I have done that too much. I I don't think they should win this series. They can for sure. I don't, but they probably should have won tonight. They were the better team in that second half, and it wasn't really close. They lost because of a miracle shot. Everything was not a miracle shot, just a really, really good shot. They were the ones in control. They were a step ahead of everything. And if you look at the difference between games one and two, they, the Nuggets really locked down. They, the Lakers were not getting out, out in transition. They were not getting early buckets. The Nuggets made this game more what they were comfortable with than what the Lakers were comfortable with. I think that bodes well for them trying to take this six or seven games. Yeah, as we look at the second half, Denver Denver beat LA in the second half, fifty three to forty five, um, and the reality was they just got down. They got down early in that first half and just had too big of a hill to climb. As we think about these Denver Nuggets who have come back three games to one, two different times so far in these playoffs, give me a reason why you do not think that they could come back three games to one against a Lakers team compared to a Clippers team or a Jazz team like they did earlier. It's the same reason that I have said every time that the Lakers have been down one game to none in this postseason, that they're still going to win the series. The Lakers have the two guys who can be the best player in the world on any night. And the Nuggets have two very good, two great players. Uh, Murray, I don't know if he's great yet, but neither one of those guys is the best player in the world. And, and there's a battle right now on the Lakers to see who the best player on that team is, which is the mantle right now for best in the world. That's really the difference, I think, at this point, unless the Lakers supporting cast collapses, which doesn't seem like they're going to do. One of the other things that sticks out to me about this series is when we look at the stat lines, we're not seeing big numbers from LeBron James. I think a lot of times when we think about best player in the world we think about huge point totals we think about you know triple doubles on a nightly basis we're not really seeing that out of lebron james do you think that that disqualifies him from being the best player in the world right now game one i wouldn't count into that he had a great game he went for he only had 15 points but the 12 assists and six rebounds and if I remember right, I think he was making a good number of plays defensively as well. 
he was in control of that game. He and Rondo, when they I, they ran that offense and they controlled everything in that game. Tonight in game two, what we saw was when Anthony Davis struggled in the first half that LeBron went out and scored 20 points and gave the Lakers really what they needed in that first half. And then he's not young anymore. And the game one was only two days ago. All the energy you you spend scoring 20 points and a half, I think that's what contributed to his struggles late in tonight's game. And that's why you have Anthony Davis. That's That's why he's there. So I wouldn't say it's over yet for LeBron on being the best. Well, it's interesting. One of the things that I noticed as I was doing my my last possession last week was the number of players who are currently playing for the Los Angeles Lakers who are older than me. And it's, I mean, we're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six guys on this team. Now, granted, only three or four of them are getting major minutes, but we're looking at a lot of guys who were in their 30s playing a lot of minutes. And part of it for me, I wonder if LeBron is not putting up major numbers, but he's making his presence known in unquantifiable ways. He's making his presence known by being a leader on the floor without having to without having to add points or assists or rebounds to his stat line. And when we were talking about Kawhi Leonard at one point, who earlier in the season was finding ways to load manage while still staying on the court, I wonder if there's an element of that too when we look at LeBron, that he's not necessarily taking a break, but he's not imposing himself for the sake of statistics. Does that make sense? It does. And I think you see that in a lot of the games where he looks like he's warming into the game when he doesn't score a lot of points at the start and he might have like six assists at the end of the first quarter. Lately, it seems that he doesn't want to try to use his energy to score at the start of game. So he has that later. And that's where his in-game rest has come. Tonight, that had to flip, and we saw where he pays for that. One game off in between, and he's 35-year-old legs. Is that right? 35? Yeah. 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 It, it, it's just a little bit harder, but he he's doing it. Tonight was just one of those nights where he had to score at the start of that game to keep them to keep them afloat. As we look forward to the rest of this series, Game 3 is on Tuesday night. What do we think we're going to see? Do you think you think Denver is going to come out with a vengeance and finally add a win to their line? Are we going to just see a more amped up and excited Anthony Davis after that game-winning three-pointer? What do you think we're going to see from Game 3 out of these teams? Anytime it's a 2-0 lead and both teams are good and the games have been competitive i think you should pick the team that is trailing the nuggets are better than trailing three games to none so i i think you have to give them game three just out of respect but if davis is gonna 
do this if he just decides he and LeBron decide they're going to put the hammer down I would trust them to do that I, I really don't know with this series if I didn't have a rooting interest I'd be really excited for Tuesday night <laughs> well speaking of good teams being down two games to none I think that's a good segue into the Eastern Conference Finals with the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat Game one was a hell of a game. 117-114 into overtime. Dragic has been this pleasant surprise throughout this entire series. In game one, put up 29 points. Jay Crowder, 22. Jimmy Butler with 20. On the Boston side, we saw Jason Tatum with 30 points. And arguably the biggest play of this conference final series was the end of overtime as Jason Tatum had an open lane to go to the hoop, went up for a dunk, and was denied by an enormous, enormous block from Bam Adebayo. And if you want to see how ridiculous that block was, instead of actually going and finding a YouTube clip of that block, instead you should go to my Twitter account and watch this video my wife took of me watching the end of this game she caught it completely candidly i did not realize i don't think she realized what was going to happen either and you just see my honest and a total dumbfounded expression to this block oh my gosh uh buddy did you see this block in game one i did i was at a friend's house the the two of us and his father were watching the game and it was just, you knew you just witnessed one of the greatest. I can't think of a block right now that is better than that. I So How did his wrist not break? I know. How does he not have a broken wrist? Unbelievable. So that was game one. <laughs> and so, you know, just from the way that that game ended, you can't help but just be really jacked up for this series. Game two ended 106 to 101 in the Heat's favor again. Uh, Dragic, 25 points. Duncan Robinson for the Miami Heat was 6 of 12 from the three-point line, scoring 18 points, all 18 of his points coming from the three-point line. And this game ended... uh, this was not a very pretty game for Boston. Despite being up pretty handily at half, there just wasn't a lot of chemistry. There wasn't a lot of good things happening on the floor. And when things started to fall apart in the third and fourth quarter, there was one point where Marcus Smart had the ball on a fast break, had two guys down on the baseline ready to receive an easy layup, an easy dunk. And what does Marcus Smart do? He jacks up a three-pointer and misses. And just really irritated a lot of Celtics fans. And also apparently irritated some Boston players as well. We heard reports from The Athletic and ESPN both saying that there was some intense shouting happening between Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart in the locker room. Some items were being thrown. I'm imagining a Bobby Knight style chair throwing competition happening. And, you know, I, when, when I heard about this happening, my mind kind of went to this place where I thought to myself, okay, this team has got some fire. They've got some energy. 
they realize that they really need to get their shit together. And game three, they're going to come out and they are going to work their asses off. Um, Bodie, what did you think about that game two experience? The game itself was, if it wasn't the playoffs, it would just be one of those games where it's like one team had an off night. They just didn't quite work for them, except it was the playoffs and Boston was already down one game to none. Uh, Their weaknesses looked like they were exacerbated. The Heat really knew how to get at this team. The locker room stuff, Michael Wilbon of ESPN made a really good point. This happens all, all the time and we don't, we just don't hear about it every single time. This is good. Generally, this is healthy. You want people to be fired up and to get in the faces of their coworkers, basically when they're not doing their job because it reflects poorly on your your job your performance everybody is everybody's at the same stake here shoot i did this in high school once i me and my teammate lit into a bunch of underclassmen who decided to play even worse in the second half after we yelled at them but that doesn't matter <laughs> well it's interesting that i i was listening to the nba the ringer nba podcast and Chris Vernon made the point that this kind of conver- these kinds of conversations, if you want to call them that, these kinds of shouting matches that are happening in the locker room, you know, this is a good sign, as you said. And the places where you didn't hear that was in the Clippers locker room. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and you know, and Kawhi Leonard is not the kind of player, he's not the kind of leader who is going to get in your face and shout and get you mad and get you irritated. Paul George isn't that guy either. And if your two best players are not that guy, you have to have somebody on that squad who can step up and be an asshole and get some work done. And Marcus Smart, for all of the dumb shit he does day in and day out on that basketball court you know that when he gets in your face that he's doing it because he wants to win and he wants you to win and and that's the sort of stuff that really ought to be an encouragement from a squad like boston it only took us 20 minutes to take a shot at the clippers so that that's Good it's on a new us record. for it taking that long. <laughs> yeah. You're exactly right. This team, they're they're still so young, and and Tatum and Brown have been here before, but gosh, they're young. Kimba has not been here. Hayward is not that kind of guy. It's yeah, Marcus Smart. As, as weird as it is, he's the the veteran go to guy that has to that has to do this. And the difference with the Clippers was you could see like Patrick Beverly being that guy, but I don't know what kind of right a player like that has when he's not the best player, nor is he the quote unquote leader necessarily. Yeah. You have to wonder how that would be received coming from a guy. I mean, it would be like, it would be like, Taco Fall, not nah, it wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> it'd be like, it'd be Wanna like, maker. it'd be like, yeah, Wanamaker. It'd be like Grant Williams, a guy like that, getting up and shouting in your face. You'd just be like, okay, buddy, <laughs> sure. Not to go on a big Clippers tangent, but I, I was having a conversation with an NBA friend that I I really 
really trust and value. And we were talking about what did we overrate with the Clippers. And we talked about Kawhi and not Kawhi's basketball ability because it's stupendous, but it was the leadership stuff that we, we thought last year. We, we talked about how great of a leader Kawhi was, but it, he probably wasn't the actual leader of that team. It was Kyle Lowry. Yes, I was just getting ready to say that, yeah. Yeah, Kawhi just came in there kind of as a mercenary and just he just had to go out there and play as well as he could and Lowry was the guy running that team. The Clippers, Kawhi was looked at to be all of that, and that's he's never been in that spot. That that's he's never been in that spot where he had to be that guy. Well, when we look at Game Three of this Celtics Heat series, we saw the return of Gordon Hayward, which I think made a huge difference for this Celtics team. And from what I've seen. It sounds like because he spent some time outside of the bubble after his injury against the Sixers in the first round of the playoffs, he went home, spent some time with his family. His wife is expecting a new child any day now. And from what I've read, it sounds like Gordon Hayward is planning on staying in the bubble until the Celtics are eliminated from the playoffs or until they win the finals. And so this has got to be great news for a Boston Celtics team. And we saw what a major difference his presence made. In game two from the Heat, we saw a lot of zone defense, especially in the second half of that game. In game three, they tried to do some more zone defense. And the thing that was missing for the Celtics team was a guy to stand in the middle of the court and be a shooting option. They don't really have that with Tice. Tice can you know hit a 15-footer, but he's not a threat like Gordon Hayward is going to be if you stick him in the middle of a 2-1-2 or a 3-2 zone. And so just having him there to be an option made an enormous impact for this Boston team. The other thing that Boston really figured out between Game 2 and Game 3 was to stop shooting so many freaking three-pointers. In Game 3... Boston outscored the Heat 60-36 to in the paint. Now remember, the Miami Heat have Bam Adebayo as their center, as their five. But the, the folks who are making most of these points in the paint are guys like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. These guys are taking it and cutting straight through that zone and, you know, proved it essentially useless after a while and moved back to a man-to-man. But on top of that, Miami went four for 26 from the three-point line in the second half with without having Tyler Hero, without having Duncan Robinson be a major point presence for this Miami team. We really saw a very different game in game three than we did in these first two games. What do you think, buddy? You're right on... On the Hayward thing, uh, as a lot of times to break a zone defense, it requires very boring basketball. 
just keep doing the same thing over and over, getting the ball to the same spot. And it's very easy to be like, oh, can't we do something else? And Hayward is the kind of guy that's going to be like, no, let's just keep doing this. As far as the the three-pointers for Miami, Jay Crowder was two for 10 in game three. For a while in these playoffs, I didn't think he knew how to miss threes anymore. Sometimes it's as easy as make or miss, but I I do think it was more than that in game three. The Celtics, they had that stretch in the second quarter, I think, where they had three straight steals, and three straight fast breaks. They were... They just seemed a little bit quicker in that game. It was, like I said earlier, game two was one of those where it's just like, eh, the Celtics just didn't quite have it for one game. That happens. And game three, it was like, oh, they had it tonight. And the difference in this series really is a bam at a bio block in game one. Each team has controlled a game, and the other one came down to one of the best blocks we've ever seen. The playoffs, they are frustrating. As we look forward to game four of this series, game four will be on Wednesday night. We are going to have, like I said, Gordon Hayward for the rest of this series. He, let me look this up real quick. Gordon Hayward had 30 minutes coming from not playing for three weeks. He had 30 minutes on the court. We saw one, two, three, four, five, six players essentially have major minutes for this Boston team. And that was about it. We saw a few minutes here and there from Wanamaker. We saw Ennis Cantor uh, this game, and he didn't make an utter fool of himself. He looks so tan, though. Oh, my gosh. Did gosh, you- that tan is something. <laughs> Did you see the the one and only field goal he had on on Saturday night? He flexed to the camera, and <laughs> and as much as I want to hate that, it's you can't you can't not love Ennis Cantor most of the time. It's he should flex every time he scores a basket, <laughs> just in the hopes that Erdogan out in Turkey is watching, yes. seething that he can't get his hands on him. Absolutely. Uh, as we look forward to game four on Wednesday night, Bodie, what do you think we're going to see out of this series? A wonderful basketball game. Just two team game four of a two, one series is always the, the most fun or one of the most fun because it's desperation. It's really desperation time, but the teams know each other. Now three games, you really, You've you've really known each other, and now it's just go out there and just go at it. Who's better? Who really is better? I want this series to be long. I thought it would be long. I'm going to say the Celtics because I still think it's going to be long, but it's just going to be it's just going to be in the trenches, and I there's hardly two better teams in the league to play that kind of game. As a Celtics fan, what do you see for the rest of this series? How do you feel? Oh, man. I think as I watched Game 2, I came into Game 2 a little bit late. Uh, I was came in just before halftime. And I saw the score, but I didn't really see much of what had happened to bring it to that score. And as I watched the second half of Game 2, I was pretty disappointed with the tenacity, with the work ethic that I was seeing out there. 
Game three really instilled a lot of confidence in me, made me think that this team has the pieces to really put it together. When we saw the five out there with Smart, Tatum, Brown, Walker, and Hayward, I think that was probably the best five that they have, and I think it makes sense to go to that. And I think if if Gordon Hayward's ankle can stick with it and he can keep giving 30 minutes a night, I, I think that it's going to go seven. It can't not go seven, but I think Boston has a good chance of pulling this out. How long do you think it took Lou Williams to go to Magic City? <laughs> I think he just took a direct flight from Orlando. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Excuse me, I got some chicken wings calling my name. Basket Bubble is hosted by Matthew Moore. That's me and Bodie. That's him. Thank you, Bodie. Oh, it was a pleasure. Our theme song is by Bad Snacks. Join us next week as we keep working our way through these conference finals. Stay safe out there, Bubbletonians. We'll see you next week. Thank you.